Hey, are you here? Well, I'm going to go ahead and start the show anyway because it it seems like you're here. Anyway, hey, we got something exceptional from the archives today. This is an interview Paul did with one of the most exceptional musical artists he's ever encountered. It's rare that someone is able to perform at such a high ability in so many ways. As an instrumentalist, as a vocalist, a songwriter, live shows on stage and in the studio on recordings. Paul has frequently named this gentleman as a favorite recording artist for the great sound he gets out of his chosen instrument and his unique vocal styling. This is an interview with Sonny Landreth. That's right. The original broadcast of this interview was on radio in 2008. It's not been heard since the original airplay. Now, the special guest today, Sonny Landreth, is a master of the slide guitar who joined Paul to talk about his album, From the Reach. Sonny Landreth is a solo artist, but he's worked with some true greats like John Hyatt, Eric Clapton. On the road, he's also been a frequent guest of Jimmy Buffett's Coral Reefer Band. Sonny Landreth discussed his early influences and recording with a great artist that appeared on From the Reach. People like Mark Knopfler, Eric Johnson, Vince Gill, Eric Clapton, Dr. John, Nadira Shakur, and Jimmy Buffett. And that's but one album in Sonny Landreth's discography. All of his records are really, truly great and really, truly worth checking out. Hey, you can check out the Paul Leslie Hour. You can help us in our quest to get a lot of content from the archives out there and available to the general public. All you do is go to www.thepaulleslie.com support. And we thank you out front. Now, let's get that Sonny Landreth interview going. It is our extreme pleasure to welcome slide guitar virtuoso, songwriter, and recording artist, Mr. Sonny Landreth, an artist we've played since the very first episode of our show. Thank you very much for taking the time to do this. I appreciate it, Paul. Thanks for having me. So, starting from the beginning, tell us a little bit about your roots. Where were you born? Well, I was born in Canton, Mississippi, and all of my family is originally from northern Mississippi. And we moved to South Louisiana in 1958. That's where I was raised. And also got my all of my background in music, and the culture here is really strong in music and food and dance and enjoying life. So that had a profound effect on me. What were some of your early musical loves? Well, I fell in love with the guitar, actually, when I was really a little kid. My brother and I would entertain the relatives with these little toy Elvis guitars they used to sell back in the day. But that really stuck with me. I, I never, it was always something I wanted to do. I, I, I started playing trumpet when I was 10, and I, I played trumpet through my college years. So that was my academic instrument, I guess you'd say. But I got my first guitar when I was 13. I was listening to everything at the time. I mean, Scotty Moore was really big with me because of Elvis. And then uh, once we moved to Louisiana, hearing Cajun Zydeco bands, really just about all, you know all kinds of music with in and out of New Orleans with jazz and, and blues and and the fact that I played trumpet in school and I had a 
some classical background just being exposed to it anyway. I don't know how well I played it, but it was still in there some way. So I had it was a rich uh, backdrop to draw from in the way of uh, all these. What was it about the slide guitar that you liked? I think it was the vocal quality about it. I mean, I couldn't have identified that as a teenager at first, I mean, to put it in those words. But I realized later that, that both my jazz heroes and my blues heroes, that was their goal, or that was a big part of the sound to emulate the human voice. And you could hear it in that singing style of the bottleneck. I really didn't even know what it was the first time I heard it. I, I just fell in love with it. And I mostly from the old Delta Blues recordings, but there's just a sound I couldn't shake. I wanted to talk about the new record, which is fantastic, by the way, From the Reach. It has a lot of great guests on it. How did the idea for From the Reach come to be? I've been wanting to do like an album with heroes in mind for many years. And I, I, as you know, we all have heard in tons of guest albums and duets and that type of thing. And it all been done so much to me it was a bit of a cliche. So the trick was really to figure out, first of all, who would be on it. Second of all, if they said yes, and how would I produce it so that it would be different in that regard? After a lot of years had gone by, I've kind of got to be friends with a lot of the guests, so that probably helped. And worked with them in different capacities, either in the studio or sitting in with them or playing with them live and doing shows with them. So then uh, when I got them on board and I asked all these great guitarists and musicians how to play on my new album, I had already gotten a head start on the songwriting, and the idea was to write these individual songs for each of the guests. So to me, that was the twist, and that, had, that really fired me up in the way of the songwriting, because it was a really different approach, and I'd never done anything like that before. It's the first song on the album. It's a toss-up between two for me. It's to my favorite song on From the Reach, but tell us about Blue Tarp Blues. Well, that was influenced by really two things. Number one, my friend Mark Knopfler, he and I go back a number of years, and we've been friends for a long time, and I was a huge fan of his back early Dire Straight days, and their hit, one of the first hits, uh, The Sultans of Swing. So I wanted something that captured that mood, but uh, more of a, with a, the feel of, you know, the Zydeco field here from my area. But the the other thing was, after the post-Katrina and all that happened and took place and the aftermath of that, there was a profound effect. In fact, a lot of my friends that were rebuilding and going through all of that in New Orleans, in and around New Orleans, it's something you, you really just have to see and feel it to really fully appreciate it. And those images that were on TV that were shown around the world just really stayed with me. It haunted me. And, and that's where I got the idea from the the choppers and the planes above seeing all the blue tarps over the rooftops and sides of buildings that I saw when I drove into the city shortly after that. It's just an image you you know I, I couldn't get out of my head. And anyway, I called up Mark and I told him that I had this idea for a song and he said, Well, what's it like? And I told him, Well, it's kinda of like if you took Sultan's a swing and met the King of Zodico <laughs> and so he started laughing and he was intrigued and I, and then I told him what what I wanted to do with the song and what it was about, and he was so he he wanted to do it from the get go. And actually, he was a big help for me because he talked me into changing uh, the middle verse to the first verse. And uh, the more he listened to it, he thought, "Man, you know, I think you should make the the middle verse the very first verse because it's more powerful." And my idea was to build up to that line. You know, Air, For Air Force One had a heck of a view. And, but he thought she'd come out kind of swinging right off the bat with it. And he thought it was an image that would relate to everyone around the world. And, and lo and behold, I, I said, well, you know what? You're right. And so that's the kind of advice you want to hang on to. 
it's a terrific song, and, and just kind of like you were saying, the image is really conveyed. When I, when I was listening to it the first time, I kind of thought of it like it could be the, the music for the beginning of a movie, if they ever did a movie about Katrina. That's what I saw in my mind. Well, I like hearing that because I'm really big on soundtracks and themes. Uh, for me, that really conjures up imagery, and that's what... Even instrumentally, it should take place, and when it's done right, I think, and it's just something I've always aspired to do. Well, speaking of instrumentally, I think the other favorite song of mine on the album is an instrumental, and it features Mr. Eric Johnson, "The Milky Way Home." <laughs> yeah, yeah, he plays. <laughs> all of these, all of my guests are just awesome players. But EJ and I go back a ways too, and he started playing in Louisiana back in the, I guess it was the late 70s, and I first heard about him, and he was playing little bars in and around the area. And the first time I heard him play live, it, it just, it took me back to the three-piece band mode. I mean, he astounded me with his vision of electric guitar and his incredible technique and his tone and phrasing, and that's something all of them have, I think. All of my guests, that's, that's something I'm big on. But... Then I knew from that moment on I wanted to work with him. And it's funny how you fast forward many years later and things come about. But he was the first one to turn in the track. So interestingly enough, because he has quite a reputation for taking forever with his own music. And so I was a little bit surprised when I was the first one to come back in. I mean, like within a month when I sent him songs. And so I was... We put that up on the system. We heard, uh, Tony Daigle, my engineer and co-producer, and I, and, and we were just amazed, and, and I knew we were in for a, a great ride. You played with Cl Eric Clapton, and he's given you a lot of praise. He's featured on two songs from the album, Storm of Worry and When I Still Had You. Right. How did you meet Mr. Clapton? Well, I finally met him officially at the first Crossroads festival he did you know, for his uh, his center in Antigua. Now, the first one he did was outside of the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And we had had a, a number of friends over the years, and we kind of communicated to each other through them or other avenues through management and whatnot. And, and I talked to him on the phone and that kind of thing. But I didn't actually get to meet him face-to-face -face until then. And he's such a sweetheart, really down-to-earth. He's been through everything and come out on the other end. He's seen and done it all. And He's so iconic and, and such a huge influence on me. As again, as a teenager, he was one of the early greats that I that influenced me and wanted me to plug in and play. And uh, so that that was a real dream come true. And another artist you've been playing quite a bit with is Jimmy Buffett. Oh yeah, Jimmy. I met Jimmy backstage at the New Orleans Jazz and Heritage Festival. And, uh, I don't know. I guess probably back in the early 90s at least and uh, he's good friends with Quint Davis the promoter and, and also I think he was I think the first time we were playing with John Hyatt that we actually got to have a conversation and and then uh, I, I believe it was probably in 2001 we were playing at Jazz Fest and Quint sat him down on our stage and afterwards Jimmy invited me to play on his new album he was making at the time and, and then later wanted to do one of my songs uh, uh, USS Society Goldsmobile, which we we flew up and my band and I we actually cut the the rhythm tracks for it and he sang over his vocal, 
And then I started doing shows with him. I do about eight to ten shows a year with him. And it's really great. It's a lot of fun. And the other thing, we have a strong connection because of his his history with New Orleans. And uh, we figured it out that he and I were both at the very first New Orleans Saints game. Interesting. <laughs> he, was, he was in the stands and I was on the marching field. I was in high school. <laughs> and so uh, we have a very early story, uh, then later storied career of hoping for the New Orleans Saints. Well, Buffett appears on the new album, along with the legendary Dr. John, the song Howlin' Moon. Tell us about that one. You know, that's one of the two songs that I actually had already written. And I'd written that song and had a group of, uh, I guess, a batch of songs on an album I made called The Road We're On. And it, for some reason, just didn't make the cut. And I'd always heard Dr. John playing on it. And I thought, well, if I ever get back to the song one day, i got to call him up. And then I got the idea to combine he and Jimmy with the vocals, and um, it just seemed to be perfect for the song. And, and that's one of the sessions I actually went to New Orleans and worked with with Mac on Dr. John, and the other one was with Vince Gill in Nashville. You mentioned a, a minute ago the song that, that Buffett covered, the USS side of Coldsmobile. Tell us about the inspiration behind that song. That was an old car uh, that I inherited from my folks, my parents, uh, one of those hand-me-downs, and I, I just loved that car. We had more fun. I'd taken off, I guess probably from 97 up to 2000, 1997, I was songwriting for what would become the Levittown album. Now, this is the way to, to do R&D, man. It's you stay home, you go out and go dancing every night, you hang out with your friends, <laughs> and work on these tunes. And we used to, you know, all my friends would pile in that big car, and I'd, I'd leave my amp or rig in the trunk, and we'd drive down to some levee bar somewhere like Whiskey River Landing or someplace, and I'd sit in with the bands and, you know, have a great time. So I was drawing inspiration for writing for that project, and that was the one that came out of that. And, and there are all these cool, funky little places out in the middle of nowhere, outside of Opelousas, uh, which is north of Lafayette. And this is, for those who don't know, it's that's a Creole country, and that's where a lot of these old Zotico hall dance halls are out in the, in the out in the fields, and uh, it's just like nothing else. It's, it's a lot of fun, and I, I think that's the way to to write for a project. There's a vocalist on the new album. Nadira Shakur, in the, she's featured on the song Let It Fly. She's very proud of that song. It came out great, so tell us about that song. Well, she's an amazing singer. Uh, and I met Nadira through Jimmy Buffett because she's one of his background singers in the band and been with it for a long time. She was making an album for uh, the, that Jimmy's going to put out on his Melboat label and came to the studio that I work at here in Louisiana, Dockside Studio, and wanted my band and I to, to play on like three of her songs. So we did, uh, three or four tracks actually. And so while I had her there, and uh, she was perfect for the vocal on Let It Fly, and I, and I got her to sing on it. So it was it was a great trade, and I think she really adds a soulful component to that song that, that really, really makes the storyline work for me. There are a lot of really great players out there. Derek Trucks comes to mind. Oh, yeah. Who do you especially appreciate on slide guitar? Derek Trucks. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make it easy on you. Oh, I love Derek. He's a friend of mine, too. And The last time we worked together was in Europe a few years ago, and I, I just think the world of him. I, I, I remember seeing this clip on TV about him when he was a little kid, and I remember thinking, watch out. Watch this kid. 
And the thing about Derek is he came up with a tradition with the Almond Brothers and the family, and he just got it in his blood, you know? And it had been one thing to learn an emulated Dwayne style, but it's another thing to take it to a whole different level. I mean, he just... He just took took that in a. I'm just really impressed with his his sound, his phrasing. His I'm, I'm really impressed with his musicianship and where he's taken it, and it's really pushed the boundaries. And dead on intonation, man. He's he's just a great guy and really a lot of fun to work with. You've mentioned a, a lot of them already. You've played with a lot of great artists. Is there any that really stands out, and who would you like to do something with that you have not yet? Well, I'll tell you one of the sessions that. Does kind of, I mean, it's pretty tough to to pick one, but there, there, if I had to pick one, it was a Gatemouth Brown session I played on way back, and it was just one of those that just all came together. It was a JJKL tune, Cry Sister Cry, and I think that that day, somehow, it just kind of all came together, and it was, it was Jim Keltner on drums and Amos Garrett on uh, guitar, and myself and Gate singing it, and I, you know, talk about other heroes and I'd never worked with uh, Amos or with uh, Jim Keltner before so that was uh, a real kick and I thought I just thought the way it came out with using Gates you know like Gates singing that that particular song really gave it a vibe and that's one session that stands out as far as someone else I'd like to work with uh, I've got a list <laughs> I'm just getting started but uh, Jeff Beck comes to mind right off the bat but I, I have a running list I'd actually like to take this uh, theme, or this, this approach, I guess I should say, and, and do an instrumental project, and um, so we'll see what happens. That'd be interesting. I've thought many a time, seeing Derek Trucks, that I'd like to see you guys, I know that you have played together, but I would love to see you guys together. Well, I, absolutely. I mean, I'm counting on that. <laughs> so that's that's a different project, though. What I have in mind is, a, is like an all-sly guitar album, and so, you know, be on you know, even acoustic, electric, and and a lot of my friends and heroes to, to make it all like an all fly guitar project. So I, I don't think that's ever been quite done like that before. So I better get it done before somebody steals my idea. There's one more song I wanted to ask about from the new album, and it, I thought this was interesting. It was written with Wendy Waldman. Mm-hmm. That was the other thing. Yeah, I mentioned there were two songs, and and that song, you know, I had the riff and the changes for the most part of that song. It was just a, a song idea way back, I guess, it was the first, I think it was right after the first tour with John Hyatt, so that would have been in the late 80s. I remember coming home and I bought one of those Akai four-track recorders. That was kind of the thing at the time for home studios. And I, I, I had I hardly had enough time to wash clothes and then we were leaving for Europe. And I remember pulling it out of the box and I just plugged the guitar direct into it to record to see if it worked. And I came up with that idea, so that's that's been that was been on the back burner for a while. And when I was working on the Levittown album, I'd mentioned there, I guess that was probably by then. It was from ninety, maybe ninety nine, ninety eight or ninety nine. I was working with Mike Post out in Los Angeles, and he introduced me to Wendy, and I hooked up with her. We uh, got together to, to co-write because I was trying to co-write with other people and. And the two that really stuck for me was working with her and working with Will Jennings. But that song came out of... She helped me finish it, come up with, you know, point me in the right direction, and, and we traded lines on some of it. And 
So that's another one that's been sitting around for a while and felt like you know, it was just the right time to do it. Vince was perfect for the song and I kept hearing him on it and so I went up to Nashville and and we cut the, some of the vocal tracks from the other songs and also that one. You've mentioned him a couple of times in this interview, John Hyatt. There's one song that you played on that I think it's one of the most incredible songs, Farther Stars. Yeah, I love that song. In fact, that's my favorite song on that album. I just think John is the, he's just the consummate writer, singer-songwriter, and working with him was such a great opportunity, especially because to hear him in action, when you're on the road with somebody all the time, you hear him in the room next door to you working on a song, and you go, hmm, that's interesting. And I start hearing ideas for licks, and it's a pretty cool way to sort of, uh, you know, through osmosis, to kind of start letting it in and seeing where it takes you. That's just part of the process, I think, but... That was that was really unique, and also on that tune, we really stressed it out, and just kind of really, it was a free flowing kind of approach to it, and kind of see where that would take us. And uh, that, I've always liked the way that came out a whole lot, and we used to, we played it live quite a bit for a while. When someone hears you perform or they listen to one of your records, what is it that you want people to get out of the experience? Well, I would hope that they there's something that took them somewhere else that night, you know. It, it, Maybe forget about all the troubles and all the things that are going on in the world and maybe at home and otherwise. And I think that there's that creative spark in everybody. And if there's a part of that that touches them and in some way opens them up to that bigger picture, so to speak, and I kind of feel like I've done my job. I wanted to ask you about this song. It's not, it's not from the new album, but I really think it's a great song. It's one of the first songs I ever played on the air, and that was All About You. Well, you know, it's funny because as a writer, you're always looking for an angle on a tune or come up with an idea and put a twist on it. And one of the things I've always liked doing is to take something that's real familiar but to come up with a different approach to it, maybe a cliched line or, or, or a saying or something that people are familiar with that kind of come in from the side door on it. And I thought one thing to, to name the song All About You, but in fact you would have to take the time to either read the lyrics in the booklet that we spend so much time putting together and know that, in fact, it's not all about you. <laughs> and so there's a little irony there I kind of like. That shuffle feel, that particular feel, is something I'll, I've always been real close to. And I really like the way that that song builds and takes that idea. And that was a blues project, and I kind of always come home to that. This is a question that I've I've heard come from... Cameron Crowe, and I think it's a, an interesting question. What is it you like about music? Well, music to me is, is I, I have kind of adopted the Jimi Hendrix, you know, when he said music was his religion. If I have a religion, it would be that. And I think it, it's the thing that comes from the, the deepest part of your soul and, and on the truth level. You know, not all the agendas and perspectives and prejudice perception and ideas about reality, but more the true nature of reality. So it comes from a truth level for me. I think that it has all to do with creativity, um, and that's my, that's sort of my outlet for it, or that's the way I access it, I should say. And just the notion that there's no end to creativity, that to presuppose there's such a thing as perfection is to limit the, the experience of creativity. And, and I found that with music, just 
is always a surprise in there. There's always something new I learn, and it's about myself and others and just where it where it can take you. So that's always been it's always been there for me. It's a very insightful answer. And I have two final questions. Given that you're a Louisiana man, I was wondering what is your all-time favorite meal? <laughs> all-time favorite meal. Wow, I have to pick one. Yep. Well, one or two. I guess my all-time favorite meal, well, from Mississippi would be uh, black-eyed peas and cornbread, and I guess from South Louisiana would be crawfish at HSA. My last question, good choices, by the way, but my last question, this broadcast is going out all over the world, so what would you, Mr. Sonny Landreth, like to say to the world? Well, to the world, I mean, that's that's a pretty big door to walk through. I, I would say to, the thing I would like to say is to, trust your inner voice and to trust your intuition. I mean, we all make bad decisions at one time or another, but I feel like the intuition is, again, that part of us that will lead us in the right direction and to, to always pay homage to it. All right. Well, thank you very much, Mr. Landreth. It's been My a pleasure, pleasure speaking with you. I look forward to seeing you when you're in Gainesville, Georgia in September. Yeah, well, come up and say hey to us. Catch up. We'll have a glass of red wine. Definitely. Thank you so much. All right, Paul. I appreciate it, man. Thank you for stopping by today. If you enjoyed our program, consider telling a friend about it. The Paul Leslie Hour is made possible through people just like you. So you want to keep the show going, right? Go to thepaulleslie.com. That's thepaulleslie.com. Click on Support the Show. And thanks to everyone who contributes. Performance of the intro music is courtesy of John Primerano, The Entertainer, written by Scott Joplin. End credit theme music is courtesy of John Primerano, the traditional song, Corina, Corina. Your announcer is Dan Gold. Hey, that's me. The show is hosted and produced by Paul Leslie. And we'll see you next time on the Paul Leslie Hour.